0: We come before the Lord's Word this morning, which He tells us is pure and is a shield to those who trust in Him. We read this morning from 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 1-7. through 7. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, in accordance with the promise of life which is in Christ Jesus, to Timothy, my child whom I love, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father. And Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God whom I serve with a clean conscience as my ancestors did, as I constantly remember you in my prayers night and day. When I remember your tears I long to see you so that I may be filled with joy. I remember your sincere faith which first lived in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice and I'm convinced that it also lives in you. For this reason, I am reminding you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God did not give us a timid spirit, but a spirit of power and love and sound judgment. This is God's Word. Dear friends in Christ, Paul's second letter to Timothy was perhaps his last letter in the New Testament. At the end of this letter Paul speaks about the end of his life. How God would soon have him offer up his life in service and as a testimony to his faith. The letter of 2nd Timothy contains many themes but ultimately it is a letter from an old man to a young man. It's clear from Paul's words that he had a special place in his heart for Timothy. He calls him my child whom I love. Timothy was a young pastor whom Paul took under his wing and mentored. The need for the importance of male-to-male relationships in life is something we continue to see as important today. Timothy certainly would not have had the gifts he had from the Lord or the ability to serve the Lord as he did without the influence of Paul. Young men need older men to look up to, to emulate. Young men often learn by example. It's not just a matter of knowing something in your head, but being able to see it in action. For all of us, there are many individuals in our lives that fill that need. But for young men, some lessons can only be imparted by other men. But we see more about Timothy's upbringing and spiritual development in Paul's words as well. Paul certainly played a big role in his relationship with Timothy, but he also highlights Timothy's grandmother and mother. For our purposes here on Mother's Day, we think of verse 5 in particular. I remember your sincere faith which first lived in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I am convinced that it also lives in you. Paul, who is often carelessly and inaccurately dubbed as misogynistic in our culture, takes the time to highlight the importance of Timothy's mother and grandmother in his life. Just as we recognize there are some things for a young man, perhaps, that can only be given by his father, so also we recognize there are some things that only a mother can give. Many of us could say the same thing about Timothy, about ourselves, that Paul said about Timothy. Our mothers certainly played a monumental impact in our lives, especially in fostering our faith in Jesus. Certainly fitting to remember and appreciate these blessings on Mother's Day. But another question comes to mind How do mothers do this specifically? What is it about motherhood that lends itself to what Paul describes? There's a uniqueness to motherhood that we know quite clearly, and Paul brings it out in his thoughts. When you think of motherhood, the greatest gift that a mother offers is the gift of life life in a physical way, but as Paul points out, life in a spiritual way as well. There's a uniqueness to motherhood in that sense, a -a one-of-a-kind feature that only mothers have, and it has to do with the ability to give life. Clearly this occurs in a physical way when we talk about mothers giving birth to their children. That is a uniqueness that is only meant for them. But more importantly, God highlights that mothers can give a much greater gift too. A much greater gift than physical breath in one's lungs, or the ability to live here on earth, but the gift of knowing salvation through Jesus Christ. Without the ability to give life, there really wouldn't be a vocation of motherhood. It wouldn't exist, it wouldn't be possible. It's a uniqueness meant only for them. And this feature of motherhood is a blessing, not just because children themselves are blessings, but because it's part of God's design. God designed women with the ability to have this unique, one-of-a-kind gift. The gift of nurturing life through motherhood is a testament to God's wonderful design for women and by extension to all of humanity through the fostering of life on earth. When you think about it, the ability of mothers to give life is truly a miracle that God allows us to witness in our lives. We look at the Bible and we think wouldn't it be nice to see some of the wonderful acts of Jesus? Some of these miracles that other Christians got to see. But how easily we take for granted the miracles that we do have. It's quite astounding that, God, that mothers are given this gift by God. And this design by God extends into our spiritual lives. God's intention is that a mother's love and nurture would also develop her child's faith. Fathers certainly have an important role to play in these areas too. Mentors and other relationships, like we talked about, between Paul and Timothy are important as well. But it's never on the same level as the influence that a mother can have. Because of this unique gift that God gives mothers, they have a special way of connecting with their children. A way of connection that no other human, even the father, shares. Paul emphasizes this uniqueness of motherhood, the ability to give life. When he writes to Timothy, this faith first lived in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. And I am convinced that it also lives in you. Just as Eunice supported Timothy's physical life when he was in her womb and when he was a little child, so also she supported his faith as he developed and grew. She passed down to Timothy, her son, the life that God had given her, not just a breath in the lungs, but through Jesus Christ, her Savior. A life that had been given and extended to her through her mother, Lois. Talk about a -a one-of-a-kind gift. Paul wrote a similar thought to another young pastor that he mentored named Titus. In Titus chapter 2, Paul writes, Encourage older women to be reverent in their behavior, not slanderers, not enslaved to wine, not but teachers of what is good. So they can train younger women to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled, pure, busy at home, kind, and submitting to their husbands that the word of God might not be slandered. In this message to Titus, Paul doesn't directly mention motherhood, but... This theme certainly comes out as well. As Paul talks about the importance of younger women learning what it means to be a mother in the Lord from older women, having an example of their own. Paul lists some of those direct areas of influence, being respectful, not slandering others, not being drunk, showing kindness and self-control. These are the individual qualities, we might say, of godly motherhood. But not everything Paul says is accepted in the world today. To Titus, he speaks of women being busy at home, submitting to their husbands. We know the world and our culture, maybe even ourselves at times, turn a resisting eye to those sentiments. For the majority of the world today, even the majority of Christians perhaps, these thoughts are backward Thoughts that people believe are from a less enlightened age, an age where women were held down and not exemplified for the blessings that they are. We all hear the critics in our culture and in our world today, sometimes maybe even in our own hearts. We hear things like, well, Paul was focused on men. Paul didn't really think about women. He didn't consider women's rights. Or maybe we hear, the Bible is a book written by men from a man's perspective and it doesn't account from the experiences of a woman. But notice the rationale that God provides for these qualities of motherhood. That the word of God might not be slandered. God's message to us in both Timothy and Titus here are that the elements that he's built into motherhood are part of his design. And that design is meant to give us a healthy, prosperous, and fulfilling life. Even if it's something that our world rages against. So take a couple of these thoughts that Paul mentions here. How do we understand them today? When the Bible speaks about women being busy at home, It's not relegating women to that role only, it's not saying that it's wrong for a woman to have a job, it's not saying it's wrong for women to have a career or to work outside the home or to support their family. In fact, the Bible speaks of other women who did such a thing and it also speaks of areas where it, it shows value to those qualities. Likewise, when God encourages women to submit to their husbands, it's not giving men the right to act however they please. It's not showing a status that God has where men are more important than women and can do whatever they want. What God is doing in these qualities of motherhood is pointing out His design. God's showing the uniqueness, the influence that women can have on the world around them, but most importantly, on their family. Particularly as mothers, women have a unique influence in the home. Not only there, but because of the unique gifts that God has given them, they can connect with children and the family in a way that others cannot. It's a blessing from God. It's a gift he's given, not to hold women down, but to help them live a healthy and prosperous life. Within marriages, when God asks a woman to submit to her husband, God's design is that a husband and wife would work together as companions, knowing that because they are different, they can become something stronger together than they are on their own. God is showing us in these indications, in these little areas of Scripture, very often our culture hates the most, He's showing us His creative design. He's giving us an opportunity to peer back behind the curtain of his revelation and will to see his intention for our lives. These sentiments are meant by God to empower women biblically, not from the eyes of the world. To Timothy, Paul speaks of this as serving God with a clean conscience and a sincere faith. These are difficult propositions for all Christians today, and especially for God fearing mothers. Paul directly highlighted the sincere faith of Timothy's grandmother and mother. This idea of sincerity of faith in the Bible is a faith that's not about pretense or show. It's about having a faith that doesn't just look good on the outside, but actually has some substance and foundation to it, so that when you are tested, When life doesn't go your way, when you are mistreated, you've got something reliable to fall back on. That's what God's intending for us when he says, this is what you have through the life that your mother gave you. You have a sincere, genuine faith. The true, genuine faith that Timothy had was about the unique influence that his mother had given him And she was, in that sense, a catalyst in the home for godliness, which extended for generations to come. But the temptations opposed to God's design are attractive to the eyes as well. Things that would keep us from being sincere and genuine in our faith. Things that are based on pretense, show, and hypocrisy. Today we live in a world where beliefs abound which are all about what it looks like on the outside without sincerity and foundation. We live at a time when so much of the public dialogue about important issues is given and received through social media which makes it easier to attack people, makes it easier not to study up on an issue, makes it easier to say something without a response. Where's sincerity of faith in that kind of a platform? We live at a time when leaders in our country refuse to define what a woman is for political purposes, yet at the same time claim to fight for women's rights. We live at a time in our culture when gender ideology and self-expression is so intense that it seeks to interchange men and women as if they are no different. What a strange intersection of thoughts has taken place in our culture in just this past week as our society, again, is bombarded with the topic of abortion. Talk about an interesting theme to consider on Mother's Day weekend. Is there a more pressing example of motherhood, by God's design, being under attack than abortion? Abortion not only relegates God's design for motherhood as harmful and less than adequate, but it also comes with a host of ravages upon women's mental and spiritual health. It pushes upon women an ideology of death, which betrays God's morality and creative design, and even the evidence of science. Our society and our culture pushes this upon us, And especially upon young women all packaged with the deceptive marketing of the banner of a more prosperous and happy life. But there are testimony after testimony after testimony of women who have gone through such trials and have come out the other side realizing it wasn't more prosperous, it wasn't happier, it wasn't more fulfilling. And this only speaks of what abortion does to the woman, not the unborn child. Today we live in a culture that abounds with beliefs of pretense, show, and hypocrisy. Solomon called the ways of the world vanity of vanities for the very same reasons. The ways of the world push upon us to tolerate accept and embrace a vision of ourselves that is opposed to God's creative design. There are good sounding things about that. There are things we can get in the present time by embracing a vision like that that make us feel happier in the moment. But it doesn't have a sincerity of faith. There is no substance and foundation of fulfillment behind such lies. And God hasn't designed us to blindly follow him. When we talk about God as our designer, we're not saying that he's pre-programmed us as robots to just do whatever he says, like some tyrant. God's design is his gift to you, whether you're a mother, a father, single. God's design is his gift to you for the healthiest, happiest, and most fulfilling version of your life. And he should know because He created you. And most importantly of all, in that vision of God as our designer, is His goal that you would have a restored relationship with Him by faith through your Savior Jesus. For years, our culture has attacked biblical motherhood under the false pretense that God is holding out on women, much like Satan first said to Eve in the Garden of Eden. So what are we to do? What are we to do as Christians when we confront such obstacles? What do we do as citizens in a culture where it's so difficult to talk about these things in a productive way? What do we do as mothers who want to embrace the unique gifts that God has given, but also know what many in the world have to say? I'm sure there were times when Timothy felt the exact same way. He was a young pastor in a world extremely hostile to the Christian faith. But notice what Paul told him in the last verse of our text. God did not give us a timid spirit, but a spirit of power and love and sound judgment. Timothy did not need to fear, no matter the obstacle that was in front of him. God had given him ability by faith God had given him compassion through his Savior. God had given him a way to navigate truth through his word. And that spirit was first given to Timothy by his mother and grandmother. The spirit of power and love and sound judgment. Fear is certainly not a foreign thought to mothers either. I'd say children naturally evoke fear, not because they're scary, but because we know everything that could happen in life. There's seemingly no end to the disasters that can strike us in this world, and especially those who are vulnerable in our families. But even more so for mothers, the world condemns and criticizes their role so much, and yet God has designed it as a blessing. We live at a time when you as mothers share a unique burden where you will be persecuted for following what God has designed you to be. So what are you to do? Well, here's where the topic of motherhood can be such an important reminder for all of us. Remember the gift that mothers are given. Mothers have the unique gift of giving life a gift that involves much more than bearing a child. But Paul's message to Timothy, even though he wasn't a mother, was this. To have that gift of life and to be able to give it, you must first receive it. And through Jesus Christ, your risen Savior, there is nothing to fear. In fact, Jesus, your God declares because of Jesus, perfect love casts out fear. The Apostle John wrote that statement in his first letter and he was referring specifically to the love of Jesus Christ in the Gospel. And John says, that perfect love, as demonstrated by our Savior in his own body through his life, and on the cross and in victory over the grave, that perfect life, or love, casts out all fear. Fear of the world, Fear of disaster, fear of shortcomings, fear of not meeting expectations, fear of sin. Jesus, through his perfect love, casts out that fear. And now, God allows mothers, in particular, not alone, but allows mothers a unique ability to connect with their sons and daughters, to connect with their children and extend this very gift of life that casts out all fear through the perfect love of the Savior Jesus. May we always appreciate motherhood as the sacred and vital calling that God has designed it to be. May we encourage and strengthen mothers to step up to that position and abide in that calling through God's design. And may he strengthen all godly mothers to continue giving that most precious life through Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen. Please rise.